Good morning. Let's turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy, and we're in chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, it says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And we're only going to be covering these two verses this morning. And I want to pinpoint on uh, the message here and uh, really focus on what Paul is saying to Timothy here. As I was thinking of this, um, I um, was reminded of an illustration earlier in the Bible. And so I want to turn there. Um, we turn to Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. Before I talk about Joshua, I want to talk about Moses. You guys remember Moses, right? Remember who he was and how the Lord called him? He, he called him and... Uh, told them at the burning bush that you were going to deliver my people, the children of Israel, out of the, of the, um, from the slavery that they're in, out of the uh, Egyptians' territory. And God wanted to use Moses as a leader for the children of Israel. Just imagine that task. That's a tremendous task. The uh, probably millions of children uh, or the, the people from the, um, from the Israelites But the Lord used and molded Moses into a man of God. God took what little he had to offer. Moses complained that he he wasn't a man of great speech. The Lord said, didn't I make your mouth? Wasn't I the one who formed your mouth? And can I I allow you to enable you to speak? And so God was able to use Moses, and we know the whole story of Moses, for a mighty purpose. He was able to stand in front of Pharaoh and and tell him to uh, demand him and say that this is what the Lord God says to let my people go. And he was able to do that because of God's grace. Because of God's grace. Because God's grace was sufficient for Moses. And as Christians, we talk about grace a lot. We talk about that we are, um, we are saved by grace. You hear the song, Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So it is by grace, we talk about grace a lot because it's, um, it's the, the core of the Christian faith. We talk about grace as God's undeserved favor towards us. That's what it is simply. It's God's undeserved favor towards us. And the Bible tells us that it is by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it means that God, God's grace towards us, towards undeserving sinners, is that means you can be completely, completely forgiven from our sins. And those who are believers of this morning are recipients of that grace. But once you are saved, does that mean that grace stops? That grace, that's it? No, it continues. It continues throughout the Christian life, and that's the starting point. And it is... God's grace that enables us to do what he has called us to do. In our Christian service, whatever he calls us and wants us to do, he will give us grace to do that. God's grace is sufficient. 
And God's grace didn't end with Moses just leading the people out of the, uh, the children, uh, leading the children out of the land of Egypt, but it continued there. And he, he, but he was faced with another obstacle. He, he was running away from Pharaoh, and they pursued after him. And then they ran into, uh, they came to the, uh, the Red Sea. And they had all these people to get across. And it looked like that the, the army was going to uh, surround them and, and completely, utterly destroy them or capture them and bring them back. But the Lord stopped them. And then the Lord did something amazing. And he told Moses to strike his rod and the sea parted and they were able to draw, walk across dry lands. So even in the midst of a, a, a serious or a seemingly uh, impossible situation, the Lord gave, Noah, or gave Moses grace in that, in that situation. And then you look at the whole life of Moses. He was dealing with the children of Israel and leading them through the 40 years in the, in the desert and the complaining they had. And then he gave them, uh, brought the Ten Commandments to them and saw that they were worshiping and sacrificing to a, to a, a carved image. And there was, a, there was many trials and many tribulations that Moses faced throughout this. But God saw him. God saw Moses through it all. God's grace is sufficient. And now who comes after Moses? Now that Moses dies, it's Joshua. And Joshua is to take his place. Now imagine what Joshua might be feeling after seeing how the children of Israel respond. And now you are the, you are the one leading them into the promised land. Moses is now off the scene, and you're the one faced with this tremendous responsibility to take them into the promised land and conquer the land. And it says, and, let's, and I want to read uh, the beginning of Joshua, um, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and then we'll skip to verses 5 through 9. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over, the, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So since Moses has passed away, it's up to Joshua to carry on, to lead them across the Jordan and into the land. And the Lord is now passing the responsibility off to Joshua. He's giving the responsibility to the next generation. And these next couple of verses, the Lord is, uh, is taking and encouraging Joshua in this feat, in this, this tremendous responsibility. Look how many times the Lord encourages him and also gives him a promise. There's a number of times in here. Starting in verse 5, the Lord says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. It's promise number one. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. The second promise. I will, never, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Another promise. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do all according to, the, to, to, do according to all the law which Moses my servants commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hands or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not, part, not, shall not depart from your mouth, 
but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, the Christian life isn't always easy. Maybe you're going through something in your life, in your Christian life, where you're running into difficulties or a trial. Or there are obstacles in your path. And the, the path and the, and the way forward seems unclear. Or maybe you are in the midst of a um, spiritual battle. And the enemy continues to attack you. Or maybe you were just faithfully serving the Lord, but then with all of that, you were overwhelmed with the responsibility and with the tasks that you're faced. You may feel that you are buckling under the pressure and you are becoming discouraged. Like Timothy, there's a tremendous task ahead for him. Maybe you have been ashamed that your close brother in the Lord, just like Timothy, has been um, put into prison. Timothy was facing that, and he was facing being ashamed of what, was, what, Paul, what Paul was going through. And now that your, your closest companion is, is now leaving off the scene, and now it is up to you, it, the responsibility is on your shoulders. And, and additionally, with all of that, there's false teachers that we learned about a few uh, in the, uh, the, first, the first book, the, uh, the false teachers that were creeping in, and now they're uh, even more prevalent and even more... Um, they're more alive and attacking the truth is at an all-time high. But in the midst of all of this, the Lord is saying to you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God's grace is sufficient for us. And that is what I, what I believe is, is meant in the first verse of this passage in, Tim, in 2 Timothy, where it says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Just as God spoke to Joshua and, and encouraged him and commanded him to do these things, so Paul is encouraging Timothy to be strong and courageous. But Timothy is told to be strong, not in his own power, but to be strong in the power of God. It is, it is through the power of God that we can do the things he has called us to do. It is not our own strength. And he gives us strength, and he gives us courage, and he gives us wisdom to do those things, even in difficult times. And in Hebrews, we're reminded that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So Paul must understand what Timothy is going through. He must um, really understand what he's going through, because he says in the beginning, be strong. Why would someone tell you to be strong? Because you're feeling weak? You can tell that Paul understands. If you look at the um, beforehand, if you look what he's saying, he's saying that um, he mentions that he's mindful of your te- I'm mindful of your tears. He also says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So Timothy may have been ashamed because he later Paul says that uh, do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not to be ashamed of it, 
and not, of, not ashamed of him, his, the prisoner in, in chains. So Paul encourages him and reminds him that the Lord um, is with him and to be strong in the Lord. This was also the last letter that Paul would be writing. This would be the last letter. He was in jail and he was soon to be, uh, to be taken away and to be killed and put to death. We look, Paul is now nearing the end of his ministry. And it's time for the next generation to come to pass. It's, it's time for the next generation to take, to take the responsibility that Paul was, now, was burdened with. And just like the Lord raised up Joshua, he is raising up Timothy to take on the challenge. And the, the succession of godly men and women is like a relay race. It's like a relay race. Relay races usually run on a track, and you, um, you have, a, you have a multiple, multiple runners on a team. And, each, and the first person runs and passes the baton to the next person. And that person runs as fast as they can to pass it on to the next guy. And they keep going until they finish the race. I have a short clip of that, and I just want to show that really quick just to, just to show you what it's like. Daniel, is there, uh, can you click of the arena? Can you click on the, this is the, uh, the link on there to go to the? No, they, there's another clip. You don't have it on there? That's not it? Okay. All right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll pass on this clip then. Um, but basically what I wanted to show you is, um, is men running. And what do you see unique in this, in, this, um, in this running is that you have people passing on the baton, and it's passing on the, to the next person and then the next person. But what you also see is that... Um, they don't, just, they don't just stand there and wait. So what happens is when the person comes up, comes up alongside of them, that person in next in line is also running at the same time. Once they see him approaching, they start taking off too. And the other guy comes alongside of him and passes the baton to the next guy. And that's what it's like in the, in the Christian, uh, in passing on to the next generation, is that this person, there's a, there's a period of time where one person is coming alongside of the next guy and then passing on that baton to the next person. And discipleship is very much like this relay race. It's a succession of faithful men who, and women who have taken the baton and run the race strong. They have come alongside of younger believers and trained them and passed the truth of the word of God to them. And it's an important and vital ministry that impacts every believer. Every believer is called to this. In Matthew uh, 28, it says, Jesus says to, the, to his disciples, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. 
And lo, I am with you even always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus commanded us to make disciples. And discipleship is at the heart of Christian service. Our goal isn't just to lead someone to Christ, to get them saved, to see them uh, trust the Lord, but that's just the starting point. That's just the starting point of the Christian uh, life. But we are to take that person and also train them and teach them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded. You're teaching them how to follow Christ. And we are also to, um, our lives should also be an example to others of Christian character. Should be, we should be able to teach the younger generation by example as well. And discipleship should be a long-term commitment to teach and mentor younger believers. It is like a father-son relationship. And that's how Paul addresses Timothy. We've seen over and over again in his books, he calls him a son in the faith. Timothy, my son. He refers to him over and over that way. And in one sense, it's a, it's a term of respect, and it's a term of endearment, and it shows their closeness that they had, their, their personal relationship, and how they worked alongside each other, and how Paul trained him. But I think it's also an illustration to us in this passage is an illustration of a disciple, of discipleship, using the illustration of a son and a father. Timothy learned from Paul by example and also by what he taught him too. And Paul was a role model to Timothy. He was a mature believer that, Paul, that, uh, that Timothy could look up to. And a good father always hopes for the best in his son. He always wants him to succeed. He always wants him to, uh, to be able to live, to do things on his own eventually. And he has goals for his son too. A good father has goals for his son. Where does he want to see him in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years? As a father myself, what do I hope to see in my son? What goals do I have for Justin? And I've been thinking about that this past couple of weeks. What, what goals do I have for him? Well, I'd like to see him uh, buy his first car. I'd, I want him to, to uh, land his first job and to be able to move out and live on his own and get married and have children. But all those goals are a long way off. Those aren't happening right away. None of that's possible right now, right? He's only two. <laughs> I don't expect that to happen tomorrow. I don't expect that to happen in a month or even in a year. But if those are my ultimate goals for Justin, to, to see those things, to be able to handle himself on his own, that all starts right now. How do I teach him and train him today to see him accomplish those goals in the future? Well, right now, I'm teaching him how to count. And I first started teaching him how to count to five. And now he's, teach, now he's up to 10. And he can get sort of to 20 and almost 30. And eventually he'll be able to count to 100 and farther than I can count. I'm teaching him the basic skills of how to say please and thank you and to be polite to people. I'm also teaching him how to, uh, to, to dress himself, to take off his clothes and to put them back on. These are just basic skills for his age. These are just the basic fundamentals. 
But these skills right now, as he's two years old, are going to help him as he grows and is 20 years old. These basic skills in life are going to help him accomplish the, f- the future goals that I have for him. Because all along the way, I want to teach him how to catch a ball and to, to ride a bike and to, um, to do math homework and to do all those other things so that he can land his first job, so he can ride his bike and do math in his job. <laughs> but those are, those are the future goals that I have for him. What are, what are my goals for him ultimately? Well, I, I'd like to see him also as a father. One of the, my, my highest priorities would be to see him saved and to trust Jesus Christ as his Lord, to give him his life um, as, a, as a young child. But I can't do that for him. But I want to see that. So, so for right now, I'm training him in the Word of God. I'm teaching him Bible verses and teaching him about God and just some of the basics, the fundamentals. And I want to, and eventually, I want to see that the Lord will, that he will eventually put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And once he does that, that's just the starting point for a whole bunch of other goals that I have for him in his future. That's just the starting point. And then I want to teach him the ABCs of the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Teach him just the, 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 the basics. Teach him how to, to walk and to talk. Teach him how to spend time in God's word, to, to study God's word for himself. How to pray. Help him write his first devotion. Help him write his first sermon. Coach him on how to do that and, prefer, and lead a Bible study. Each of those things, those are things that my dad has taught me. And so now I'm in the midst of being discipled by my dad, but also looking at discipling my son. And so you see a succession of the generations. You have my father, who has been training me. Now I will be training Justin. And hopefully he'll be training future, uh, his, his son, his family, his other, other sons in the faith. And as, in, in the relationship that Paul has, Paul is um, Timothy's spiritual father. And he has taught Timothy, and he wants to teach, he wants Timothy to teach faithful men. Who will, those faithful men will also teach others. And the succession um, of the generations passing on the baton is necessary for that to happen. So as a father, I can talk about my spiritual goals for, or my goals for, for Justin. I can talk about my goals for, for, for my son. Older men, what are your goals for your spiritual son in the faith? What goals do you have for them? What long-term goals? How are you going to pass on that knowledge, the, uh, teach the word of God to them, train them, up for the, so that they can be able to handle themselves and be on their own. Where do you want to see them in five and ten years? Five years, ten years, and twenty years. Recently, I read a, uh, or listened to a story about a preacher who was uh, part of a relay team. And their team was uh, getting ready to, to race. And they, they structured it in a certain way so that the third guy and the fourth guy were the strongest runners. And so they set up 
they got ready to, um, to start the race. The first guy runs with all his might, comes to the second guy and passes on the baton. He takes it, runs as fast as he can, and gives it to the third guy. The third guy now starts, takes a few strides forward, all of a sudden stops, walks off the track, and sits down. And the whole team is looking in horror. What happened? <laughs> Uh, they run up to the guy and they think that he maybe he you know sprained his ankle or hurt himself you know running. And they they go up to him and ask him you know what 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 went on. And they'll never forget his response. He said, "I don't know. I just didn't feel like running." He gave up. He didn't want to keep running. And the whole team was was flabbergasted. They were, they were shocked with his, his response. They, said, they, they were thinking, you know, how could you, how could you just stop? How could you just give up? It's not just your race. This whole team depends on you. It is that our team uh, wants to get to the finish line, but, but he broke the link in the chain. He broke the link. So it is essential that we don't throw in the towel, that we don't just give up. We don't just, I don't want to run. I don't want to do it. You've been past the baton, but you don't want to continue the race and see others um, continue forward as well. So it's essential. Paul didn't want, Paul realized in the, in the light of what was happening in Ephesus and what was happening in the church, there was um, Phagellus and Hermogenes who had just abandoned Paul. There was others who had abandoned Paul. We'll see you later. Timothy needed to com- complete the race Successfully, and that's what Paul's goal was for him. And it wasn't just to complete his portion, but also to pass it on to the next generation. And that's what Christian discipleship is all about. It's about passing on the baton to the next generation and entrusting the truths to those men. Older men, where are your Timothys? Who are your Timothys? You should be looking for faithful men, for faithful men who you can take alongside of you, come alongside of, and teach them the word of God, to, um, to teach them uh, the, thing, the fundamentals of the faith, and to teach them by example as well. Train them up in godliness. Younger men, who, are your, who is your Paul? Who is your spiritual mentor? As a young believer, you should be surrounding yourself with older believers or more mature believers who have, who have been there and done that and who can um, share their knowledge, share their wisdom in the faith. And you should, put, you should be putting yourself in a position where you can surround yourself with men who, who have the gift of evangelism or the gift of preaching and that you can learn different things from those men so that you might be able to to grow. And don't wait for someone to just come alongside of you to talk, but pray for somebody. Ask the Lord to bring someone to you and for a godly living example to follow. And then not only do you need to be thinking about who you want to be uh, learning from, but who you want to pass this on to as well. There's a certain type of man or a certain type of woman that, that we are looking for. Not everyone is qualified to run in this race. You want to entrust it to 
fat men and fat women. It's an acronym for faithful, available, and teachable. <laughs> you want to be faithful. They need to be dependable. They need to be dependable. They need to have a passion and a desire to learn the Word of God. They, want to, they need to be studying the Word of God for themselves and, and, and just uh, hungry for the Word of God so that they, they, have, a, they have a faithfulness to, to, to learn that. They want to, they want to take, take all the uh, information that they learn from you and, and apply it. But they have to be, they can't do it half-heartedly. They can't be careless about it. They can't just, you know, want to throw in the towel and walk off the track. They have to be diligent and reliable. They also need to be available. They need to be available. They need to be able to commit time because it takes a lot of time. If you look at a, a relay race, they don't just run that race one time and, and just try it for the first time. They train. There's a lot of training that's involved in that. And it takes time. They need to be able to make a priority to sit underneath somebody and to, to watch and to learn and observe somebody older than them and more mature so that they might, they might gain these truths. But, it has to, but there might be some sacrifices that you have to make. You have to make yourself available, and that means not doing something that you might like doing outside of that. You also need to be teachable. You need to be teachable. Being willing to learn from others. You can't have an attitude where you just know it all, know everything, because that isn't, gonna, isn't going to help you at all. If you know it all, then you're not going to want to learn anything from anybody else. But you need to realize that, um, be, real, be open to correction, and open to seeing the Word of God, um, seeing, the, seeing what the Word of God has to say about it, and being able to um, change your views if you're in error on that. So it is, being, it is being humble and being open to correction. And part of it is being able to teach others. Um, and that's, that's an important, that's important uh, aspect of it, to train the next generation. So being able to, to be teachable, to, to uh, absorb the knowledge, but also to pass it on. And it's not all about just information dump. It's not an information dump where I just learn information. Because it's all just head knowledge at that point. You have to be able to take it and apply it to your life. It's coming alongside of someone and seeing how they do that. If, if someone was good at evangelism, how do, they, how do they go and share the gospel? Well, go alongside of someone who, who is good at that and, and watch them share the gospel and learn from them in, in, in life in a real practical way. How do they share the gospel? And then now you go and do it yourself alongside of them watching you and then they can help you and give you pointers and point you in the right direction. But it's taking it and using uh, and, and learning it practically. How many of you uh, know, know the basketball player Stephen Cur or Stephen Curry? Stephen Curry. He's, he's a basketball player for the uh, uh, national basketball player for the uh, Warriors and he is one of the, probably considered one of the best shooters out there. He has um, gained in a lot of popularity recently. And through his skills, he's brought his team, the Warriors, to, um, to be able to, um, to win the, uh, the, the state championship. Um, 
the longest time since 1975, they haven't, they haven't won a, uh, a state championship or um, national championship. Uh, Stephen Curry learned, learned most of his skills, though, from his dad. He learned it from his dad, Del Curry, and he was a former NBA player. And so Stephen and his uh, brother, they would go to the games and they'd watch, um, they'd, be, they'd be part of the uh, warm-up practices and part of the, um, um, the drills, and he would learn from his dad the skills that he needed to learn. And now he's taking the game, and he's being successful in the game. And he also started a, uh, recently he started a camp. He started a basketball camp for younger men. And these younger men are, are men in uh, the high school. These are the top 20 men in high school. And, they, and he's now being, these men are being trained by Stefan. And I have a short clip of that. I just want to show you uh, that in a bit. Um, for them to come in and, and break down their games and understand the fundamentals of what we're teaching from a point guard and shooting guard standpoint, it means, means a lot that I can hopefully you know, teach them something. And Steph is teaching by being very actively involved in not just the explanation of the various drills, but also taking part in the action with the campers and going all out. That's what we wanted to make you know, be the uniqueness of this camp. Um, I'm here. We have a great coaching staff and a great support staff teaching them you know, the drills, but I'm here you know, competing with them, going through uh, every rep, um, doing the five-on-five -five stuff, the full-court transition stuff, and, and showing them that you know, I, I like to work on my game too and try to get better. So um, that's what we wanted to separate ourselves from other camps and, and, and be here uh, the whole time. Having the You notice that what, how, he, uh, how he trained these men? He said that he was, he was um, taking actions with the campers. He was going all out. He was showing them side by side how to do the, how to do the game. It wasn't just giving them information. It wasn't just, just giving them how do you teach, just teaching them how to play the game and uh, going through the theory of basketball, but it was getting in there, going alongside of these men and training them. Teaching shouldn't just be an information dump. It should just be, should be practical. And you have, uh, in, in this, you have an example as well of what you see in Timothy here, or in, yeah, in 2 Timothy. You have Del Curry, his dad, who has trained his son, Steph Curry. And now he's training, training other men, 20 men, how to, how to play basketball. And these men, these men are going to be successful, or, or most likely will be successful, and be able to train their son or their, uh, the next team or uh, do a basketball camp like Steve. And in the discipleship training, in, in discipleship training, there's a multiplying effect. You have, you have Paul training Timothy, and now Timothy is to train other faithful men, which is, it's, the number is growing, and these faithful men are going to go and branch out and train even more men, and the numbers keep growing. And Paul wanted to make sure that Timothy would train up the next generation, and then Timothy would have the same skills to train up the next generation after him. They wanted to have that same goal and that same passion. And at Calvary, we're at a transition period. We have older men here who aren't going to be here much longer, who aren't going to be here forever for us, with us. And so it is up to us as the next generation to take on the responsibilities of the... Um, 
and uh, to, step, to, step up the, to step up to the plate. We must be constantly absorbing their, the teaching and to be looking at their lives as examples and to follow the word of God. And we, we must show ourselves to be faithful. We need to free ourselves up and make ourselves available. And we need to be hungry and humble and be teachable. We need to be fat men and women. As this next generation of believers in this relay race, I don't want to be the one who breaks the link. I don't want to be the one who just walks off the track and says, I don't want to run. I just didn't feel like doing it. I want to be able to stand and, and say like Paul did. And later in this book, in 2 Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Let us all strive to be faithful to the end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for the example that you've given us, Lord, the illustration of a father and a son. Um, and Lord, someone coming alongside of somebody and training them up, Lord. We pray for Calvary here, Lord. We pray that faithful men would be trained up, Lord, that we would be um, younger men, that, that me, that other younger men here would be faithful and able to teach, Lord. We pray for um, your grace to be upon us, Lord, and to, to give us the strength to do those things, Lord. We just pray that you might um, help us in this, um, in this training, Lord, in this, in this uh, passing on the baton, Lord. We want to see, um, we want to be uh, faithful s- servants of you, Lord, and to, to finish the race strong. So, Lord, we pray that you might help us to do that, and we pray that you give us the strength to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.